0: 7654321. <laughs> oh, this new crazy mother.
1: Welcome friends to episode 192 of Color of Magic, your magic and gaming podcast, where we talk about all types of issues that affect gamers at and away from their gaming tables and computers. I am your host, Taquan Watson, and for 192 episodes. Still got my main man, apparently surviving hailstorms, Brian Allen. How's it going, man? Good. And uh, you're here, so I guess you ain't didn't pull the one ring in any of your Canadian adventures. <laughs> uh, if I did, I wouldn't have told anybody yet. So, really? but, I, but I will say we didn't pull it. <laughs> but if I did, I don't. I generally wouldn't have told anybody. I would have just kept going with my life until we were ready to pull the trigger on the production we were going to do with it. Then I would tell her because I don't know, man, it's weird. It's like if you hit the lotto, like if I were to hit a like, I don't know, a million dollar scratcher, I wouldn't tell anybody I had it. Oh, you
0: wouldn't have a choice. They tell people for you.
1: No, no, no. Later. Yeah. After you go cash it in or whatever. But, but before then, nah, I ain't telling nobody. Well, how, <laughs> how long are you waiting to cash
0: in a million dollar lottery? ticket? Well, I would, have, I would
1: have had to wait till Monday or Tuesday because, you know, the offices are closed over the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> like I would have had to go to whatever the state office is and then, you know, do the thing. Yeah, I I wouldn't tell nobody. I'm I'm like that. Like, keep a secret, you don't tell nobody. That's it. Hell, to be honest, if I would have got this, this is for real. This is how crazy I am. If I'd have got the scratcher while I was in on my trips this weekend, I don't even think I would have told anybody at my house.
0: (laughs) You gotta tell somebody at your house just in case somebody finds out, bashes you in the back of the head, steals it. No, nobody would have known I had it. I'd have felt good with that. (laughs) let's just say somebody randomly mugs you and happens to show up with it you would need somebody to testify no he told me you know a couple of days ago that he won the lottery that's his ticket that'd be hard to prove anyway i think (laughs) like i I think if you told told somebody on friday you won the lottery and like let's say your significant other you showed them the ticket. They know the numbers. Yeah, okay, now you got at least the, the, the germ of a case. You nope, may still I'm, not I'm, win the case, but.
1: I'm holding it. I can I can survive 48 hours to get that to where it's gotta go. <laughs> like I'm good with that.
0: I'm um, I'm I'm a weirdo that way. I think I'm good. I'm a weirdo the other way where I'm always having <laughs> okay, something good has happened. What bad things can happen between now and me getting this ticket to wherever I need to get it to.
1: Hell, I, I'd have just, I, well, that being said, if I got it, I couldn't, it would have had to been while I was traveling because I couldn't have done it in Canada because I don't even know the rules. If I'd have to be a Canadian citizen or whatever, but then I'd have to go back to Canada to cash it. So that,
0: yeah. that wouldn't have really worked. But yeah, anyway. Like if you, like if you pulled the one ring, everybody would have known because you're making content. Yeah. It would have just been a couple of people in the room that wouldn't have known.
1: We wouldn't have put amazing. it on.
0: We wouldn't have put it on camera, (laughs) but they all know it. And as I always say, if two people know a secret, that's one too many.
1: No, honestly, though, I did have the thought real thought. I actually had the I didn't talk about out loud, but I actually had the thought that if I had opened it, I would have just split the money with people there. Wow. Because mostly because that opportunity would not have happened had I not been on a project. That's fair. You know, like if I just open it myself, it's one thing, but like it only happened because we were working on a thing together. Even if I didn't split it like equally, but like everybody gets like 20 to 50K or something. Like I, it wouldn't have been, right, it wouldn't have felt right to be like, oh, I just happened to be the lucky one in this project that I grabbed the right box or pack or something and I got it and other people didn't. But we were all busting our butt for the weekend to put on a good show, you know? Would have been a little weird. So plus, if everybody knows I'm sharing it with them, then the money's safer, <laughs> but no, seriously I, I I really did have that thought of like, well, what happens if we open it this weekend? What do we do? And I actually thought, nah, it's probably good to just share it with everybody. And then we could have if we wanted to turn that into content to come out later in the week after everything's dealt with in process or whatever, and then you know, but so far, nobody's opened the one ring, or at least nobody has made a big show of it online, so. Is what it is. But getting into the show, we got to tell you about our sponsor. Our new sponsor has only been sponsored for this month, but will be going forward. CoolStuffInc.com. If you know what they are, they're a great place to go buy your nerd stuff. And it don't have to just be magic things. If you want to get other game stuff, check them out. They've got a lot of stuff over there. And most importantly, Cool Stuff Inc. always has cool stuff in stock. And you can use code DRAGON at checkout and save yourself 5%. So even better. And if you want to support the show directly, you can go to patreon.com slash color of magic and you can get a shout out just like Ben Packer. Thanks for being a supporter of the show, friend. And you can go to color of shop and pick up some merch. But now that's going to bring us to the soapbox. And man, where are those dishes coming from? <laughs> that's for later. <laughs> All right. All right, all right, all right, all right. So, so this one, this is me kind of the make being a little bit of the bad guy, but somewhat also just ranting per the soapbox. And I feel like I saw, I think my last count was four people this week, which I don't know if something happened or whatever, it just happened, you know, how social media works. You see one thing, it shares similar things with you or whatever, but people were still complaining about having content on various platforms, be demonetized for music issues. I swear, even on this show, we've been over this like three times in the last two years. And we've seen all the DMCA stuff. We've seen all the announcements and changes with Twitch. We've seen all the stuff that came through YouTube. Why is this still a thing? Now, let me say this. I did see one of the people who said they knew they were taking a risk. And when their video got demonetized, while it sucked, they understood. So that person I'm giving a free pass to because they just decided to roll the dice. But but they're not upset with the outcome. Right? They figured it was important enough to the project. They wanted to go for it. Didn't work out in their favor. Fine. The others complaining, you don't have an excuse at this point. Like pretty much every website, every creator thing, whatever, all tell you about music. We have, hell, five or six quality free sources, and there's another probably 10 or 15 high-quality popular-use paid sources. YouTube, even recently, as of, I think, like three or four months ago, started a program that right on their website, you can use branded or copyrighted music. And depending on which ones, there's rev share and stuff with the artist or studio or whatever. So you can even pick through that and find stuff. There's no excuse at this point. Like, if your content, if you are relying on that to pay your bills, and there's any chance that your stream, your videos, your posts, whatever, are going to get hammered because you're using copyrighted music, why do it? Now, again, if you're cool with just getting the views, and you don't really care about the monetization, whatever, go wild, right? You don't have to worry about it. It's not a thing. Have fun. But if you're relying on that to building your brand and everything else and getting that ad money, it shouldn't even be a consideration. Hell, right now I'm working with somebody to make some custom music just so I can have some reliable pieces or whatever that I, again, don't even have to worry about. There's no reason in this day and age to just use somebody else's song if you don't have to. And one and the person... Who I saw recently, the one I was telling you, like, admitted to it, whatever, was good with it. They they used 40 seconds of a song for part of their video, that was it. Now, 40 seconds is kind of a lot, because some songs are only like a minute and a half or whatever these days. But it doesn't matter if you're using 5 seconds or 40 seconds, could still have an issue. And I don't understand people wanting to roll the dice. Like, it just, the upside is not worth it. Like, your video, it doesn't feel like your video is going to be exceptionally better because you have, I don't know, a song from Michael Jackson or whoever in it, right? Like, it just, it just doesn't make sense. So we should just, I don't know, man. It just feels like this shouldn't be an issue anymore. Like, especially the number of people we've seen. Like, and knowing that, sometimes when you spark a claim... It kicks off like four or five of your other VODs getting flagged or four or five past videos. So now you end up having to delete a whole bunch of stuff because you open this can of worms when it finally catches up with you. It's like, yeah, I just don't want those headaches, man. We got too many other things going on, especially as a creator. Don't do that to yourself. It's just not worth it.
0: All right, Brad, I'm going to pass this off to you. Speaking of things people should know better than uh popular Call of Duty streamer, Nick Merckx uh, went in on the, went in on the, went full alt right on Twitter, basically <laughs> talking about how, you know, the, basically <laughs> saying that, uh, the, the the issue is that uh, people, is, kids in school, shouldn't be educated about gay rights. And yeah, it took all of like <laughs> it, it was almost like the Thanos snap. His operator bundle disappeared from the uh, the Call of Duty shop or whatever, and and when asked, Activision was like, yeah, we don't support his comments. That bundle is no longer available, and you know, he, as we talk about on here all the time, apologies. My guy had a had a had a moment to come on, try to further explain himself, and he couldn't even get through the explanation without saying, well, just I'm just worried about the kids. Like, Bruh, like if you're going to apologize, <laughs> apologize. If you're gonna come on here and continue to spout the same debunked right-wing talking points about how gay people are groomers, you could have saved your time. Nobody <laughs> that's not gonna get the job done. Just and then as we see, now his his friends and fellow content creators, including Tim the Tatman, have decided to go in even further. So you don't understand. He's a good guy. No, when people when people tell you that's not who I am, it's usually, unfortunately, exactly who they are. His his initial reaction to seeing a, a clip about people you know talking about it. Talking about gay rights in schools, that kids shouldn't be exposed to this. This is this is what the far right wants. They they don't they don't believe in the concept of gay pride month because they don't believe you should be proud. They want you to go back if you're out of the closet. They want you back in. They want you to hang your head and be ashamed as if as if your lifestyle is something. To be ashamed of and hang your head over. It isn't your, your love and your lifestyle is just as valid as anybody else's. And again, the talking points about gay people being pedophiles and groomers is ridiculous stuff that's been can debunked I, a thousand times.
1: Can I interrupt you here for a second? Like, I agree with everything you're saying here. Like, part of the problem we have is they've shifted the narrative to being about pedophilia or child molestation or whatever yeah because it's easier for people to rally behind
0: yeah everybody hates pedophiles
1: right yeah yeah <laughs> and unfortunately i've also seen where that's some racism has got mixed in there too to start leaning toward well these people are also part of this problem or whatever but there's a person i came across because i started thinking about putting these this data together unfortunately i found somebody on social media that already does it and cites their sources and everything. And basically, they do a weekly report. And we were on week 16 from when they started doing it. And there were, I believe, that number was 566 reported cases of sexual assault or molestation among kids. And of those, literally three were people that could be classified as trans or drag queens of any kind. That's it. of encroaching on 600 cases. And yes, there were a lot of others that were pastors, preachers, right I was going to say definitely. police officers, teachers, yeah. whatever, that's right. We from churches. Oh god. <laughs> but we don't say anything about any of those. Right? That's that's my problem. So
0: Boy Scouts of America had these yeah, same problems.
1: Let, let's so I don't know, let it let that be our statement of support for Pride Month, you know, really, because these narratives are not in any way really backed by anything. Hell, I saw a picture on socials where they were like, well, these are the books they're putting in school. And I was like, cool, show me the school where that book was. And yet right. nobody had I've done that three times and it's never been pointed out to me. Somebody's just taking a picture that somebody else said they saw in a school, and they're sharing it. And there's no way in hell. Like, it basically looks like a manga that somebody put together that's got some sexual content in it. Ain't no way that would have been in a school. No way. Not not in, maybe in a high school. Maybe. Ain't no way in hell it would have been in an elementary school or lower.
0: Yeah, we're having to fight to keep to kill a Mockingbird* bird in schools at this point. Dude, the list I saw, like, Basically,
1: dude, they, they had a thing about the, the Louisiana Purchase was, te- was on that list. Like, pretty much anything that in any way negatively depicts, I really just, cis whites, as, as negative in the history of U.S., is on on the ban list in a lot of these places. And y'all are next, because I saw that the, the Texas governor just passed his bill or whatever. Yeah. So, I, it's, it's about to hit y'all.
0: Shocking nobody. Yeah, it sucks, they, they man. care so much about kids until it's time to do something about school shootings. They're like, all oh, we God for your thoughts and prayers. That's Hell, they're trying fun. to get rid of y'all's libraries
1: altogether. <laughs> like, they don't even want y'all to have libraries anymore. It's it's a disaster. Like, that's wild, man. Because up here, even the crappy little towns have great libraries. Like, so I can't even imagine now living in a place where that's just I don't know. It's weird, man, that people just don't even understand what goes on at a library.
0: There's more than just books, right? There's, you know, a lot of them, especially during the pandemic, started renting out DVDs and other things to try to help you pass the time. So many. I I know this from my uh, reporter days. So many important public meetings. If you can't find a place to hold them or if you just need a place that everybody knows, your local library. But then they do classes to teach
1: older people how to use technology, right? They have classes to help people learn how to fill out like uh, app or resumes and applications. Financial. All, I've seen a lot
0: of them have financial planning courses and things. Yeah, just all kinds of stuff. So, like they, they teach you how to do your taxes during tax season. Libraries perform so many public services. Librarians are heroes, just like teachers are. And don't, so many people don't. I, I've had the same argument with people about, you know, why do we even still need a library? Ah, uh, man,
1: that's tough. That's yeah. tough. But that—that's where we are in society today. So, yeah. I I back all that that you said, and I I think creators like that should get punished. And I know there's going to be people listening to this that don't like hearing that, but you know what? F you. I don't know what else to say. Like it it is what it is. Like if you're mad at somebody just for existing, but you're going to ignore all the other things that are actual real problems, I ain't got sympathy for you. Like it is what it is. However. We do have some other things that are a little bit lighter to talk about. So let's get into that and talk about what we learned for this week. Because I think we have two pretty interesting topics from completely different angles.
0: Yep. And uh, as uh, you, we, we talk all the time with here about how kind of our, our, our child, especially if you're a child of the 80s, 90s, like uh, Daquan and I, our childhood slowly... Leaving us a WWE legend, and in, you know that term gets thrown around a lot. This is it really applies to it. the Iron Sheik. Iron Sheik died this week, and uh, he was the person that lost the title to Hulk Hogan, which started the phenomenon that became Hulkamania, and is part of why wrestling is as popular as it is today. And he was just somebody, you know, that it's. It's amazing to think, I mean, at the time he was doing that, he was probably already, I think at that point, in his 40s because before he started as a pro wrestler, he was an Iranian amateur wrestler and Olympian and did all kinds of incredible stuff. So that's, that's the amazing thing is he didn't even start professional wrestling till he was in his 30s. By the time you saw him fighting Hulk Hogan, he he had already, you know, was kind of 40 years old, started to slow down. He could still do incredible things, but had he started, you know, 20 years earlier my god the runs he could have had but even with that by being part of hulkamania he was in cartoons he was in uh the, this classic Sydney Lauper video for the the goonies are good enough which that is one of the most 1980s centric sentences i think i have ever uttered <laughs> yeah it is you say that three times you open a portal back to 1983 but yeah, he listened. His action figure also was one of WWE's top sellers of that era because if you're going to buy a Hulk Hogan action figure as a kid. You need somebody for Hulk Hogan to beat up on, and who does Hulk Hogan like to beat up on? The Iron Sheik, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, even in Captain Lou's Rock and Wrestling, it was like Sheik and what was it maybe King Kong Bundy as the yeah, main I mean, Roddy or Piper, whatever. yeah, you know, Piper the whole was the other
0: one. Team, yeah, that was it. So yeah, guy moved. So is not yeah, tr- just the true? Superstar, and he took what could have been just the one-note character of oh, it's the evil foreign guy, and became you know just he's somebody that we, we still remember forty years later. And then after that, he he basically was able you know sometimes in entertainment you get to have almost two separate careers. He started going on the talk show circuit, uh, doing interviews with like the Howard Stern show. He was on Jerry Springer, who Jerry also left us recently. If you haven't seen The Irish Seagull Jerry Springer, please go look that up. It is hilarious. And yeah, he did those things. So a whole other generation came to know him, not for anything he ever did in the wrestling ring, but because he was a hilarious talk show guest an incredible interview and would tell all these wild stories about the excess of wrestling in the 80s and him and Jake the Snake Roberts trying to figure out how to spill an eight ball of cocaine just wild thing. The funniest thing about the Iron cheek is he was so much
1: even as the wrestling landscape changed and he understood that like kayfabe isn't really a thing like you don't have to pretend to be a wrestler all the time. Like he tells stories because he's so bought into kayfabe still. Right? You don't know if it's actually a real story or not. You know? <laughs> <what I mean? laughs> the, which is funny cuz you're like this might be true this might not. like because when Flair tells a story, no matter how absurd it is, we're like, "Yeah, that probably happened." Yep, you know I mean? exactly. but like when Iron Sheik tells a story, you're like, "I want to believe this happened, but it might not have happened,"
0: you know. And I think that's what people have always appreciated about him. Just an incredible story they Just to generate a whole second career, and start doing you know conventions and things. Great social media account. I mean, just this get exposed. It exposed his talent to just an entirely new generation that only knows him as being the the crazy guy like, ah <laughs> <Hulk Hogan>! <laughs> jabroni. <laughs> the the rock even admitted that he kind of took some of Sheik's characters, like Jabroni is a thing he, he got from the Sheik, because for for those you know that aren't like just as far down the wrestling rabbit holes, the Quad and I are, Jabroni is that term for the guy who never wins. That person always comes out there, you know. Even some of them have become legends. In gamer terms, it's a scrub. Right. (laughs) You know how I think Richard Lewis had the line talking about how all wrestling matches are Thor the Mad Viking! His opponent, Nathan the Bedridden Jew. (laughs) Yeah, something like that. But yeah, just again, a true WWE legend. Social media talk show guest legend there will... Never again be anybody quite like the Iron Sheik. He's up there probably now, now in heaven breaking somebody's back and making them humble.
1: Yep, with the camel clutch. Right. Well, <laughs> yeah.
0: So, yeah, so on kind
1: of another sad note for a different reason, we I guess during the pandemic with obviously all the racial tensions that happened or whatever, we we had a lot of people that learned about the whole Tulsa bombing of Black Wall Street. Which, if you don't know about that, crazy, because even people in Oklahoma don't know about it.
0: Yeah, because it's one of the things you ain't, we talked about, educate. You're not going to hear that in most of your history classes. Yeah,
1: and it, it literally, a uh, short version of that is the black communities couldn't get resources, couldn't get money, couldn't get funded for things. So they started building up their own. And as different people got money, they started investing in each other and then literally built up an entire section of Tulsa they called Black Wall Street with successful businesses, even banks, everything that just supported the community. And the white people did not like that. And they went in and effectively burned it all down. Uh, obviously, lots of people died whatever. And to my understanding, never were there any real consequences for anyone. And to this day, like there's still I believe some people just got paid over the last few years. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, fam- point, family descendants from money yeah. that apparently was taken or lost in, in those fires.
0: And I mean, there were mass graves because they just went around murdering people. Well, yeah, it was a whole section of town.
1: Yeah. I mean, the whole, whole part of the city just gone. But the reason I bring that up is there's a more recent event that had happened back in 1985 that people did not know about in Philadelphia as it turns out which again not a surprise if you didn't know about that crazy big thing in Tulsa this was smaller than that so there's not a likelihood you would know about it unless you were in Philadelphia but there was an organization called Move which was kind of trying to help out people in the black community in different ways and again because people didn't like it they got labeled as potentially terroristic and you know all this other stuff and there was a day where the local authorities came in, dropped a bomb on their main house, if you want to call it, their their meeting place or whatever. And not only did they let the explosive go off, they purposely did not do anything to it to treat it and let it catch fire to all the neighboring houses and stuff. And on top of that, now this earmuffs, uh, content warning, you may want to skip ahead like three minutes because next part's real bad. But To that point, they were even set up to where they were shooting people coming out of the buildings. So people trying to escape the fire were being shot. And at the end of the day, I believe there were 11 people dead, 250 plus left homeless. And the only person that went to jail, as far as I could find, is the one adult that survived. Because there's one adult and one 13-year-old, I believe, somehow brought up on charges or whatever related to it when they didn't do anything. But recently, that woman and I believe the child and one other person, one other relative, won two lawsuits to finally get paid any restitution on it. You know, And I believe that was only a handful of years ago, so sometime after 2000. So, yeah, this is the kind of crazy stuff that goes on that gets buried that people don't know about. And people have been shocked. I don't know what caused this to start popping up and people talk about it, but it's definitely a thing people didn't know about. And people are kind of stunned to find out this was a thing that happened not even that long ago. But, yeah, another bad situation of... City's just wiping out a movement, you know, like all at once, which is crazy. But yeah, here in the U.S., these things do happen. So when we talk about, you know, people being affected or not or systems that are against people or whatever, like this is some of the stuff we're talking about. This wasn't that long ago. Like we haven't quite overcome all this and people still have family members and relatives that are alive that are trying to deal with that. Hell, people in these incidences are still alive, which is crazy. But that being said, let's hop into our topics of the week. Coming off that, we do have some, we'll call it good news, Brian, okay. that uh, YouTube made it easier to get monetized for people this week, which is not something I thought we would There was, it was like rumors that something might be in the works. But I'm wondering if somebody pulled the trigger because Twitch upset a lot of people last week. <laughs> yeah, like,
0: hey, come on.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't know if that's true, but the timing is very coincidental, right? Where yeah. people are like, I don't know, maybe I should do YouTube, maybe not. And they're like, hey, we're going to make it easier for you to get paid. So for those who don't know, if you want to join the YouTube Partner Pro- Program, you have to get to 1,000 subscribers, 400 hours watched and or... Yeah. 4,000. 4,000, right. sorry. And or you can get, I believe it's 10 million views on your shorts. Which, by the way, 10 million views on shorts is rough. Because now that's over 90 days. Whereas the other two are over a year. But, like, trying to get a million views is like, you have to do over 100,000 views a day on shorts. That's a lot. So most people don't reach that. But, you know, few people do. And... The thing is, they've now reduced the numbers. So I believe now you only have to have 500 subscribers. And again, those are just till you hit the number. The subscriber count isn't yearly. The hours watched is a rolling one year. But I believe now, instead of having 4,000, you only need 3,000. So that's a big difference. Because a lot of people have trouble hitting one number or the other, depending on the type of content they make. Now, I do want to say that this is closer to being an affiliate program than a full partner because you still get access to a lot of the basic things that you would have as though you were on Twitch, which is one of the things that makes me feel like this could be why they pulled the whole announcement thing. Because if you were to stream on YouTube right now, you would still have a chance to get bits. People could still subscribe to your channel. People could join your membership programs, Whatever You can have all that set up. But you won't make ad revenue. And I believe there's like one other thing that you don't have access to. But the ad revenue is, I would say, the biggest thing. But depending on the channel, it may not be that much money anyway. But to get access to that, you have to get the old standards. But this is still a big thing. Because there's a lot of people, I think, that could reach the 500 subs, 3,000 hours watched. Without a whole lot of effort. and Especially if you're streaming or whatever. You can get the hours pretty quickly. So I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people start moving over to YouTube. And I don't, I don't know, Brian, how do you feel about that? Because I, I feel like it's kind of interesting to have the equivalent of, of partnership light, if you want to call it that.
0: Yeah, and it is something, you know, that I guess has worked reasonably well for Twitch. And as you mentioned, this is a time when Twitch has uh, ticked a lot of people off for a number of reasons. It, it's hard to believe that's a whole coincidence but even if you know even if it is it's it's potentially a great move and as i said those you know as you said those numbers are a lot going to be a lot easier to hit and i think uh, you know hey more people making content is i figure it's probably going to be a good thing for them it'll definitely be better for people you know that are going to going to get monetized a little bit faster yeah i'm in the same boat i think it's all
1: upside really and You know, also because one of the things I've told people is getting monetized to get the ad revenue isn't even the biggest thing, really. Because once people are really making it, you start making revenue from, like, your Patreon, from sponsorship deals or whatever. Like, a bunch of your good money is going to come from non-AdSense revenue. For a lot of people, it makes up 20 25% of what they make on a monthly basis. It's nice, though, right? It's good extra stuff. But... Your videos almost kind of are there to generate all those other leads to get you all the rest of the money, but it's still cool that you can get access to it or some a large chunk of that money without actually having to be in the part full partner program. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe this keeps more people active because a lot of people feel discouraged; they weren't able to monetize their stuff and just gave up. But yeah, I'd be I'm going to be interested to see where this goes and what what other changes are coming. You know, because that's the other thing we don't even know if this is it. But yeah, I I think this is a good bit of news, really, for YouTube, and it's a big
0: win for a lot of creators. Yeah, because we're seeing a lot of people. You know, obviously, seeing a kick for as as, as weird as it is, they are out there heavily recruiting people. Twitch They're trying. obviously ha- having having some some issues. So yeah, it's definitely a time where. I think Facebook gaming tried, wasn't able to figure out how to get it done. So that left a lot of people looking for someplace else to do content. So the timing is good. Well, it's funny you bring up Facebook
1: gaming because that kind of rolls into our next subject. Now, regular listeners of the show know that I was part of the black gaming creator program that they tried to run through uh, Facebook for a while. I say tried technically it still exists it's just not as robust as it was previously and one of the gripes we had is that they invited all the black creators in not all of them but you know all the people who are part of the program and really didn't do anything with us and we had constant even among us in our discords and stuff having conversation about all these things we could do and all the viewers we could generate and whatever and they just kept wanting to kind of ignore our feedback and just do things their own way or whatever which was very disappointing And recently, Nielsen Uncover and Group Black came out with a report that they ran and kind of backed up everything we were saying during all these discussions, that Black creators actually generate the highest media value in a lot of categories, which I think surprises a lot of people. But this is something we kind of knew among the Black community, right? Because a lot of Black people will support other Black people. So you automatically get access to more money you wouldn't get having other creators on there. But additionally, a lot of us grow up being entertainers and, you know, having to hustle or whatever, right? It's just kind of built into our nature. But there's actually numbers to support this. So according to their study, uh, it says they found that black creators generate a higher media value compared to non-black creators in fashion, lifestyle, and gaming particularly. And the black creators in the lifestyle category perform 10 and a half times better than their non-black counterparts, 6.7 times better in gaming and esports, and 1.6 times better in fashion. Like, those aren't small differences. Like, even 1.6 times, you're talking greater than 50% better than their counterparts. And then the other ones, you're talking 7 and 10 times more. Right? These, these are real numbers when they compared creators in like categories. The problem, though, is that despite performing 10.5 times better, or even in something like in the lifestyle category, where they make up 40% of the paid advertising opportunities, they're making, per effort, 35% less than their white counterparts
0: shocked shocked i tell you by all these numbers
1: but you know this comes back to a lot of stuff we've said before right when people keep throwing out things and talk about equality this that and the other and i'm and i'm having to explain to people like no you have to work harder for less money or you have to push harder to get those same deals and people are like no that's not the case they just look at whatever and i'm like that's not true like i'm telling you like dude i literally was part of a class action lawsuit with a bank that was charging black and brown people more for their car loans. Like that's a thing that happened. And that was
0: like 10 years ago, I think. So if you do even a little bit of research, these things are not hard to find.
1: They're, they're real. And this is the type of stuff we're talking about. And even worse in this case, because these people, myself included in this category, being a black creator in gaming, are being paid less per effort while generating more money and not even a little bit more in some right, of these categories like the
0: seven to 10 times more.
1: Yeah. Like that's a real number. And I get it because we were just talking about this off the air, right? I know that my audience, when I start supporting a new thing, they go do it. When we, when we had Cardsphere as a sponsor of the show for a long time, like, multiple people popped up in our Discord or send me a thing. Or, hell, even when I sent cards out on cards, there were people that were like, dude, I'm here because of your show. Thanks. Like, and I'm sending them a card or whatever, right? They support the things that are supporting you. Like, those are the audiences we create. And I can't. Maybe we just build better connections with our audience. Maybe because we're so few and far between
0: in the communities. Well, that, people want to support more. You know, I I'd... Now, I mean, anybody that's uh, our, one of our uh, white audience can tell us, you know, do you look and, and, and make sure that you buy from local businesses or from, or from people? That you, I don't know if you do. Whereas I know, I, given the choice, I try to find black-owned businesses and shop with black-owned and, and eating black restaurants when I can do so. Dude, I love living up
1: here in the Northwest because, one – Almost any day of the week, there's a farmer's market somewhere, which is great. So I can go to local people, get stuff directly from them. And there's a large percentage of multicultural people up here. So, you know, there's Filipinos, Blacks, actually not a lot of Hispanics up here. There's a small Hispanic population, not a lot, but pretty much all different Asian cultures. There's an Ethiopian community. There's like, so I can shop with all different people and pick up stuff just in person. And it's great. Like, I love that like something I couldn't do in Texas. You know, not as many options.
0: But yeah, that and I'll admit that sometimes I've been guilty of like, hey, okay, we want to eat Mexican food. Let's go to Taco Bell, you know? Like yeah, I got that's, three that's kids. like Mexican adjacent. It's cool. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> I do that, but I really do try to eat authentic cuisine when I can. Oh yeah, no, most safer. of the time if I get, like, Taco Bell or something,
1: it's usually because it's later in the day and, like, the yep. good Mexican restaurants are either closed or that I have to go sit down at a restaurant, right? So, it's cool. I'm not saying you should never shop elsewhere, not shop with other people. But it's just these numbers are even more eye-opening than I thought they were going to be.
0: Because, like, you talk and to I, and people. And I absolutely will tell you that, like, when I look for Twitch streamers to watch or YouTube channels to watch, I really, you know, if I see... If I see somebody of color, especially if they're a content creator that, that hasn't been recommended to me by the algorithm before, I make sure to go check them out and like their video and subscribe and all the stuff that we <laughs> encourage y'all to do all the time. I didn't mean to turn that into a plug, but I feel like it has become a plug for, yeah, share, share our content if you like our content.
1: Actually, while I'm thinking about it, if y'all are listening to this on whatever platform you listen to, go and leave us a review. Because we we could use more of those to help us show up in front of more people. So go give us a five-star review and tell everybody we're awesome. But you bring up a good point, Brian, like finding creators and whatever and watching them. And one of the conversations that has come up is, and this isn't even necessarily a bad thing, a racist thing, whatever. Just people tend to gravitate toward people that are like them, right? You find them more relatable for obvious reasons, right? They're going to probably enjoy some of the same stuff, have some similar background, whatever. And that's what makes these numbers even more surprising, because you think about the fact that we make up so much smaller of the population in gaming or streaming or whatever, yet we can still generate more money. You know what I mean like that says a lot of like how powerful these creators are and how important they can be to these companies that even when they're not getting necessarily as many views or as much recognition. They're still generating more money, but because of the systems that exist, they're getting less money per effort while generating, like we said, you know, as much as 10 times more than their white counterparts, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean, I knew it was uh, I figured it would be a lot. I think it was going
0: to be seven to 10 times.
1: (laughs) Now, I know from stuff I've done and talking to other people that I was pretty sure I was generating a good amount of money with my audience, even in gaming and magic or whatever. And that was before I really started growing my numbers. So I knew I was doing pretty well. But I thought, okay, maybe
0: I'm a little bit of an outlier or whatever. But, like, apparently this is just a thing. I know all the people. The, the, Aldi needs to put dish on salaries. <laughs>
1: Man, you ain't lying. Like, she's always doing those shopping videos at Aldi, giving people,
0: like, the 411 on what the deals are. Right, so yeah, I I can confirm that yes, people are letting us know they went and used her sales or used whatever sale or whatever coupon Aldi because Tish told them about. It. Dude, y'all y'all
1: need to hit up Aldi and show them some of your YouTube videos, see if y'all can get some kickbacks or some promo right? stuff. For real, I'm not even playing. Y'all should, y'all should go get go get the bag, <laughs> like for real. But yeah, I I just thought this this report was really interesting. You know that the numbers were so drastically different, which is crazy how big they are. And I, the problem is now that we have that information, what's the next step, right? Because like, should we push harder in negotiations as a black creator and maybe even point back to this and be like, Hey, but we know this is a thing. I know my numbers, my people generate sales, whatever. and, like risk losing a deal because we want to push for more money. All right? I mean, I've done it before and, you know, usually they'll come back and say, Hey, well, we can do this much more or not or whatever. And we don't necessarily get to the number, but we get to one that everybody can compromise on, which is fine. Yeah. But That's I don't know how, how the negotiations go. Yeah. But I don't know how much people feel comfortable doing that. And it's tough. If now you're kind of aware that your counterparts might just be getting a better offer
0: out of the gate. I'm not going to lie. That's part of whatever job, wherever I'm creating content or whatever, the, the negotiation is always the part I have hated the most. I enjoy writing. I enjoy talking. I do not enjoy haggling if there was, if we could do like all times have a barter system i write you this many articles you bring me this many sandwiches i would do that <laughs> really just- so what you're
1: saying is i need to start an ad agency for black gaming creators and then get everybody paid it's, yeah okay i'll put that on my to-do list for what I was looking at the calendar, like 2028. <laughs> yeah, I can say, well, amongst all the other
0: <laughs> numerous things on your to-do list. But yeah, I thought
1: this was just interesting. I, I hope this is something that other people actually found uh, pretty enlightening because these numbers, even as a black creator and having assumed this, they were even a bit of a shock for me. But yeah, this is a new report just came out uh, June 13th. So yesterday from the time of this recording. So it's still fairly new. I'm sure other people are going to be talking about it. and You'll see some stuff pop up, but yeah, just some very interesting news there, but man, we have a lot to do about creators because our next subject also relates to that. Uh, If you were on social media this week, you saw a bunch of magic players, I believe using hashtag MTG ambassador, announcing that they are part of the new ambassador program. Now, A lot of people are kind of like, what's an ambassador program? What's that do? Um, I I will tell you this. In full transparency, I do have a, I'm planning to have a conversation with them next week about it. I may or may not end up being part of the program. We'll see. But from what I could find out, and I don't know if this is 100% the same for every person. This could be individuals because I've heard some slightly mixed things. So take what I'm about to say with a grain of salt. But it sounds like if I were reading between the lines, this is largely going to be how wizards is going to have a better handle on promotions and rollouts or whatever going forward. They can have a pool of people that they feel between them has a decent reach of the market or the social media sphere for magic, different categories, different formats, you know, different demographics, whatever. And I kind of like that idea because I've said for a while there's a lot of people I mean, I'm just gonna, I don't know, I'm, if my language gets a little foul here, I'm just gonna let it ride but I do feel like there's a lot of people that bitch about not getting a preview card or whatever and then finally get one and it's just a tweet on Twitter. Like, thanks Wizards for giving me a preview card for the set, here's the card. Like, what is Wizards supposed to do with that? Like, you don't have that big of a reach to begin with. They were throwing you a bone to just let you preview a thing. And then you didn't even produce a piece of content that they could do anything fun with. You didn't make a video. You didn't do anything on your your stream. You didn't do whatever. Like, there's nothing for them to promote or use. Whereas you have people out there like Veggie Wagon. I don't know if you saw his video. He previewed uh, uh, Lord of the Rings card. And he reenacted a whole section of the movie with like you know, playfully done with like a bad wig and, you know, overacted (laughs) or whatever. But I'm like, that's funny, right? That's a thing you can share and it's going to get people to pay attention and people are talking about it. And he should get more preview opportunities.
0: and, And maybe somebody, you know, that just likes Lord of the Rings doesn't even know what magic is. They can look at that. Well, hey, let me see what this is even about.
1: Exactly, right? It looks funny and entertaining. And you're like, oh, this person gets it and they're a fan, like, all right. But a lot of these you can't do anything with. And I think that's one of those things that Wizards looks and says, Why are we spending time scheduling things and whatever to just get nothing out of a lot of these people? And I know people don't want to hear that, but it's true. Whether we like it or not, they are still a business. And any amount of effort, money, time has to have a return on investment. We hate it, but that's business. You know, like they, they have to show it. And if you're not giving them anything, Why bother? Now, my understanding is also with these programs, there may be little to no money for most of the creators. But the flip side of that is, it sounds like, and again, this is somewhat speculative until I have a full conversation about it or whatever. But it sounds like creators will be sent maybe early release stuff to make content with, some amount of products. I don't know if it's going to be every set, every other set, depending on who they use or who they need. Sometimes getting rare or custom things, which we've seen before when they sent, like, I got, like, a, uh, a kit for Nuka Penna that had the glass and the little thing of Halo and, you know, all this other stuff. So, like, they're going to send those, I would guess, to the ambassadors because that makes the most sense. Right? These are people you can send stuff to. You know they're going to make good content with it. And every time Wizards sent me something, I tried to make two or three pieces of content from it and be like, hey, I'm using this stuff and turning it into things. And that was great. And I think that's what they're aiming for. Now, there is the argument of if Wizards are going to do all this, they should be paying people and whatever. Again, it'd be nice. Totally agree. Not going to argue that. I also accept the reality of do they have to pay a lot of these people? Nope, because a lot of them would absolutely take it for free. There's other people out here mad right now. They're
0: not included even for free so as much but as I've then in that and like you said <laughs> that you can't be that upset when you get hey here's a new card and they <laughs> and they only do a tweet because yeah they didn't know any better <laughs> they don't have the reach the person that would have known what to do <laughs> doesn't have to do that for free so also true know,
1: so they know yeah and that, that's just part of it right whether we like it or not but I do think overall, it's probably a net positive because these creators at a minimum will likely be getting their stuff shared, retweeted, whatever, probably getting asked to do more things directly with Wizards, which helps their reach. So like, it's an overall good thing. Now, again, Wizards is getting some amount of efforts on the cheap, not a surprise, but I do think it's going to be a come up for a lot of these creators because though several of the ones and I'm not going to call anybody out, but several of the ones that I've looked up information on Wizards isn't just going after the biggest creators or whatever. They're, they are giving some small to mid sized creators a shot here, which does also make me feel like there will probably be some turnover in the program. <laughs> so I don't think whoever's in the program now is going to be in it forever. And I don't think it's going to be closed to new people either. I think there's going to be people, just just from the nature of content creation, some people will rotate out, quit producing content, whatever, and they'll probably look for other folks. So even if you don't get selected in this round, I don't think it's that big a deal. You'll probably have an opportunity in the future as well. But I have seen the other side of situations like this popping up where people are taking the inclusion in the program as a sign that they finally made it as much as some of the people that aren't included in the program, taking it as a sign that they failed. And I don't even know if it's totally either of those things. Because just like I said, it looks like some people are just being given an opportunity. And that could be for a lot of reasons. It could be you fill a certain demographic that they don't have somebody in the program for. Maybe they believe your reach includes other parts of the community that the other people don't. Maybe it's a matter of you are doing more on Instagram And they don't have anybody on Instagram, whatever, right? It could be a lot of reasons a person got chosen over you or vice versa, that you got chosen over somebody else. So I wouldn't read a whole lot in that on either side, other than you're at least being given an opportunity, take advantage of it. And if you didn't get picked, then just keep doing what you're doing. If you're growing your platform, you'll get on people's radar and you'll get in on the next opportunity. I mean... I'm also going to be real here and say there's also people I think have not done a lot to build their brand and whatever or not present themselves as a brand that companies would want to work with and are complaining they weren't chosen for the program. And a lot of people don't want to say that, but that's the other business side of this. If you want to have certain imagery and you want to use certain language and whatever, you have to know that's going to limit who you get to work with. If you want to get sponsored by... A beer brand, that's probably fine. Nothing wrong with that. Get the money. Collect your bag. But if you want to try to work with something that's an international kids brand or whatever, probably aren't going to get it. Hell, maybe even some tech brands won't even work with you, depending on how corporate they are or whatever. You just have to know that. But overall, I think it's cool. Hopefully next week I'll have some more information by the time we get to recording. My meeting may not be till later in the week. We just have to see. There's a lot going on right now this time of year. But we do have one more interesting thing to talk about. And uh, Brian, I'm going to let you roll the lead on this one as we talk about AI apparently costing some people some jobs.
0: Yeah, the uh, Gamers Group, which owns among uh, Destructoid, Silicon Era, a bunch of gaming websites. And they uh, laid off, I think, about 40% of their work staff in in recent weeks, and lo and behold, an ad has has come out, of course, immediately started trending all over social media, a hiring ad for an AI editor, and part of the job description is you'll, I guess, basically make sure the AI's content isn't completely plagiarized and scraped from other websites. You'll be asked to do that to somewhere between 200 To 250 articles per week at a rate of $4.50 per article. Like, first off, that's a dumb big number. Yeah.
1: Like, assuming each thing is, I don't know, let's call it 200 words to 300 words. Even if
0: you're just proofreading. That's more than the proofreaders at the New York Times are reading in an hour.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If, even if it's just two or three hundred words that you have to check for accuracy or whatever,
0: that's a lot. And and if it's and it's not just accuracy. You got to make sure this isn't a complete and total copy and paste job from every other gaming site that's covering the same press release about the new Call of Duty DLC. So spoiler, you're going to be rewriting. I'm going to say out of two hundred articles, you're going to be rewriting at least hundred to one hundred and fifty of those. And here, here is
1: the thing I have about it is like, let's say they're even talking about, like you are saying about a new DLC, you still have to go do the research to be like, okay, is this price accurate? Is it dropping right. on the right day or whatever? Right? Because if you post it with the wrong information, you know you are going to get blasted.
0: Yeah, people yeah, don't, don't understand. Know. Probably it seems like in some cases, even the people making the hiring decisions don't understand all the things that a good editor or and or fact checker does for you. That's before, because this is not just the editor position, but it's that you start out as an editor and then 100 times a day out of 250, that's probably generous, you're going to have to turn into a writer. Because if the AI didn't do a good job, you got to rewrite that entire article. Well, you're
1: basically automatically starting out as a fact checker anyway. Yeah. Because that's the only way you can operate with AI scripts these days. So... I can't imagine, like, you're going to have to have at least, realistically, for what they want, that feels like four to five people to do that job.
0: The the AI may not know if it misspelled, you know, Shigeru Miyamoto's name. But not even that. Like, it's just, like I said, just details on a lot of these things
1: are not right.
0: Yeah.
1: Even on things that have public information. Like, I think I talked about it on the show. I did one just asking the AI what's been the largest magic tournament, and it got it wrong, and then I corrected it, and it still wasn't right. And then we were talking about a magic card, which it got the ability right and the name wrong. And then I corrected it, it agreed. And then when something came up where the card needed to be mentioned again, it got it wrong again.
0: And just all the other... for I'll give you a great example of a thing that AI just couldn't do. Kotaku had a wonderful article about, at this point, Call of Duty has made mo- a game called Modern Warfare 2, something like, I don't know, nine or ten times <laughs> and kotaku did an article breaking down the differences between all the various modern warfare t- there's no way a robot gets all that right it's hard for a human being to, or an, another example a few years ago because it was madden's 25th anniversary the game was called madden 25 and i think it was it was years ago so they didn't, it didn't what what about actual twenty twenty five? That's years off. We ain't got to worry about it. Well, two years from now, it'll be twenty twenty five. What do they call that years, man? Yeah, that's the thing. You're Robot go- will. Uh, well, we, I don't know where AI will be two years from now, but that's the kind of thing a machine could easily get messed up on. The other concern
1: too is kind of what you just pointed out that your articles are largely just going to be bland, basic facts because. Just- there's nothing you can elaborate on because the AI can't do that.
0: Yeah, it can't make a funny joke about, you know, Madden being a roster update. It can't give context and like, hey, uh, the the there's internal leaks inside EA that say uh, Madden 24 is going to be a make or break year and maybe people are going to get fired. Well,
1: you know, one of the important I, I, and we talked about this off the air in one of the groups I'm in, you see a lot of people trying to make. What we call the quick and easy content, right? Trying to use yep. AI for everything and use stock footage and whatever. And ultimately, you can tell quickly that it's stock footage and it's a basic mm-hmm. AI script because there's no personality to it. Exactly. It's literally just the base facts off the website. Like in the popular example, cause there's a lot of people who try to do it with tech stuff because you know yeah. they think, "Well, tech videos pay better. I should be doing tech stuff." But the reality is, if you're talking about the new Google phone or the iPhone. And you're like, oh, it has this big of a battery and this big of a screen. And it, OK, cool. That's all stuff we can find on the website. But if you go to the popular reviewers like MKBHD, he's going to tell you like, well, my days, I normally use it for this much on screen time. And I have this much power left it the end of the day. I connect it to my, my Apple Watch. And throughout the day, if I'm doing this, it drains the battery faster or whatever. Right. So you're getting more information about practical use of it from exactly. somebody who can actually go do that. The AI is not going to do that unless well, impacting yeah, their work days later exactly then that's worse
0: right <laughs> like so i don't understand like one of the things i'm able to do because i at this point have been doing this since the days of super nintendo is i can give context if a new game comes out hey this company tried this 3 or 4 years ago and it didn't work this publisher made a similar game and it sold 5 million copies because i've again i've been doing this for 20-some-odd years now, when I see a news story, I remember, oh, yeah, uh, somebody tried this before. Either I remember it either worked or it didn't work or jury's still out, and I can provide that context. And sadly, veteran journalists are the kind of people that often get fired first because we cost more, in theory, cost more money because we're able to provide that context. Well, you know, I also will say, you know, that's the other bad part of this whole thing is,
1: they cut 40% of their writing staff. Even if these ads are very basic and generate less revenue through ads or whatever that they have on their, on their sites, they're probably still going to show plus at the end of the year because they're not paying those extra 10 or 12 writers or whatever it was, which is terrible that like you're making worse content. So, so they won't even realize the effects of the decision for probably 2 to 3 years. Once you hit a stagnation point or even as AI advances you're only going to be able to do so much with it and people just quit coming to your site because you don't have the most insightful articles or whatever. But for now, people will hang around, they'll see some stuff and you know, they'll probably be business as usual, but as some of the other sites start going you start going, "Oh man, I kind of like these over here better because these tell me more of what I want to know," right? When a new whatever the next PlayStation six or whatever comes out yeah. another like four years or something. It won't just be like, Oh, it has this big of a hard drive and uses this much power. It'll be like, Oh, well you'll be able to do these other cool things and link it to your, this and that and the other, like that. An actual person will be able to tell you. Right. That's and in thing. fairness,
0: this is unfortunately background. I have too. one of the newspapers I worked at it shut down and uh, one of the advertising people started their own paper because, again, they had a network of advertising contacts and were able to do that. And b- because she couldn't afford to hire very many writers, she pretty much just ran straight press releases. And really, more than anything, it failed not because people were hungry for a better quality of journalism, it's just there was a perception in the community that she had a political agenda, and that was really what she's she, she, in you know, she's not voting right or encouraging other people to vote right, is part a large part of why it closed as opposed to. Uh, sad to say, I talked to so many people that couldn't really tell the difference between a press release written by the city. And the articles that I wrote, it's sad, but it's true. Or in some cases, if my article had an opinion, even if it was an opinion piece that they didn't agree with, they'd rather just read the press release. So there's, unfortunately, there's that side of it too.
1: Yeah. So we'll see how it goes. This is definitely going to be one to keep up with. Probably something we should even try to visit a year from now and kind of just see what the results are. But that kind of brings us to our dinner table. And this one kind of comes on the heels of Wizards of the Coast announcing that we're going to have another Magic Fest in Vegas, which isn't really a huge surprise. Vegas has been a draw for them consistently for, hell, probably a decade now. If you don't include the COVID years, obviously. But another part of the conversation has started to become, why can't it be cheaper and I think there's a few reasons for that. The first thing is that we kind of got used to magic events being cheaper than they should have been. Because when they were outsourcing Grand Prix, you had like, it, it, I still remember when Grand Prix prices went up for a long time. They were like 25, 30 bucks. And then eventually it got to like 50 bucks. And I think eventually they were like 70 bucks if I remember the la- the last ones. And people were complaining about that. And you can technically still attend a Magic Con for less than you would have paid for those last few Grand Prixs under the old system. And you can do a lot more than just try to sign up for a tournament, which I think is a pretty big deal. But I don't know how much... I'm upset at them trying to make money off of the events. Now, some people are saying, oh, you're a billion-dollar company. You, sh- you shouldn't be trying to make money off of everything or whatever. But whether we like it or not, that's capitalism. That's how it got to be a billion-dollar company, right? We don't want to have those talks, but, I mean, that's, that's just real. But it does make me question, like, what do people think the price should be? Because the reality is like for them to do the full operation where you're talking about renting the space, paying for the tables, the chair set up, possibly unions to hang things and plug stuff in, whatever. Internet for the venue, paying all your staff to lodging, food, whatever. You got to buy and make new signage for each event in a lot of cases. You're paying somebody to manage that. Read Pop's gonna get their portion because they're helping put together the app and orchestrate the show. That's that's over a million dollars easy. Wouldn't be surprised if it's a million five. So, like, why shouldn't
0: they charge? Of course, I would. I would counter that it doesn't have to be in Las Vegas, right? There are, Vegas is one of the most expensive cities in the world, and the United States has, I don't know, a couple of million other cities it could have been in.
1: I agree, but historically, we've seen that Vegas just draws
0: well for magic yeah, stuff, which is true. But if you I are mean, all concerned about you know creating, creating a, a an environment where, like, because I mean, the, the time when I probably, the time when I probably would have had the most time in my life to spend playing magic would have been when I was a broke college student problem being I wouldn't have had the time or the money to go to Vegas at that point. So I do feel like we're creating a kind of, yeah, obviously this will sell out because now we've got, we've got so many content creators. The, the place could be filled with people where playing magic has become their job. They don't need any quote unquote real people to attend this thing to turn a profit. But I wonder if, "Quote unquote real people will be financially able to it." Oh, absolutely. There were
1: tons, tons of people at the last. I like. I went to events. The last three events, tons of locals and regulars and whatever showing up.
0: Well, if like, you're local, piles, yeah. Obviously, it's it's cheaper for you if you live in Vegas. Yeah, yeah. But still,
1: or... that's fine. They still showed up and paid, and it was worth it to them. And let, let's put stuff in perspective too, right? You can show up to a Magic Con for thirty bucks for the day. That's not unreal. That that's very reasonable for an event, for a whole weekend it's sixty five dollars. That doesn't seem un- unreal. and you even get a promo card for your trouble. Right. Of course, that
0: assumes you live in Las Vegas. If you don't, then we've got a whole sure, other sure,
1: sure. So. But that, but that's every convention, so I so I don't really count that. Whatever the well, convention yeah, is, yeah, is,
0: if you're paying for it, you got to count no, it. No, what I'm saying again, is it doesn't matter where the convention is; somebody's going to have to travel to it. If we, if yeah, we, but again, traveling yeah. to say, like for example, I'm in Dallas traveling to Austin would have been cheaper. Yes, traveling but, but to again, Oklahoma but, it, but let's say, OK, more central but it, but it, would be a lot matter. cheaper than Vegas. It doesn't,
1: doesn't matter. Somebody in in Vegas, somebody in Orlando, somebody in Chicago, somebody in Seattle, somebody in New York, they're going to travel to somebody else's venue. So that part, I don't really weigh too much unless you want to talk about the actual cost of a hotel, maybe.
0: Yeah. In one I mean, venue again, or so? it's, we it's, can talk.
1: we can talk about that. But travel—you can literally is a deduct washer. it on
0: your—you can deduct it on your taxes, so it's a different thing for you. No, and no, so no. can
1: I I'm, But I'm not talking about—I'm talking about just an average person. But again, we can compare it to any other event. I'm—I'm going to use let's use PAX because PAX is a is a popular convention, right? It's seventy dollars for one day at PAX. It's literally more than twice as expensive for one day at PAX, but people will pay PAX and not even question it. But now what else is at PAX? A bunch of stuff you generally can't participate in. You're walking the exhibit floor, shopping. They have they have an okay
0: exhibitor hall that you can shop. It's kind like, of split like if up. I like if I want to go see a panel with my favorite comic creator, they have to be there. That doesn't cost me anything, right?
1: Uh, no but panels don't cost anything at magic cons either. Like if you want to go into Are just... there
0: comic creator
1: panels at Magic
0: Con though?
1: Well, there's speaker panels now. They started doing those at the last. But they meeting. would all be talking about magic, right? Yeah, of course. So yeah, at PAX I'm able to do But again, that's why you're that going don't have to have anything
0: the... to do with magic. But you're
1: going to that event to do that thing. I'm like if I'm going to PAX, I'm not going to PAX for magic. I'm going for something else. Though so there
0: is some magic but That's there. the thing, you you're able to do both or you could you can do 10 different things at PAX. You can I can go see I can go see my favorite comic creator talk about what the X-Men are going to do in the next year. And I can play magic. Actually, I can also go and see what's going to happen on, you know, one of the 22 Walking Dead shows at the same. So, yeah, I'd be willing to pay a little bit more for that because there's other things to do. besides. That's fine. But that's, but that's
1: what you value. Right. People are going to go into a magic convention and say, oh, well, my favorite artist is there and I can go get my card signed or whatever. Take a picture with them. Or I can go see my favorite creators that I watch every day on YouTube. Or I can go play Commander with people that I never get to play Commander with that I see online. And, like, there's still other things to do. So each convention is going to have its own thing. So I'm okay with that. But when we're talking about the price, and for those other things at packs, I don't think I even get anything with my entry fee now that I'm thinking about it. I think it's just a badge. So you're not even getting, like, promo material or whatever. But, I mean, for most of those events, you don't need anything other than the badge to get into them, right? Yeah, but the same thing at Magic, unless you're particularly going to try to play a like tournament, but you can play tournaments all the time. You don't need to play them at MagicCon. But even then, at PAX, there are some paid things to play in, too, because they have paid events there as well. If you want to play in video game tournaments or Magic tournaments or whatever. So I guess that's kind of a watch. And, and how many packs are there now? I don't even know. Uh, there's several. There's PAX uh, yeah. West, there's the PAX Unplugged, there's PAX South, there's... I think they're still PAX East, and then some other stuff that they run that aren't PAX labeled.
0: And at this point, we don't even really probably know how many Magic Con or do we know how many Magic Cons there'll be over the course of, say, 2023?
1: Uh, In a year, we've had four. Okay. Three U.S. and one outside the U.S. So it's kind of closer to DreamHack in that regard, but I think DreamHack does two international and three U.S. ones every year, because it's like Atlanta, Dallas, San Diego, I think, if I remember right. But yeah, even that I could look up Dream Hack stuff and see what Dream Hack tickets are. But that's the thing when people are complaining. I'm just like, what do you want the price to be other than free? Because that, that's the part I'm not able to wrap my head around. Like, the value for a MagicCon for 30 bucks for a whole day of entertainment and you can walk around, get stuff signed, see your creators do all this stuff, like, is actually not bad. It's really not. But that's what I'm kind of like, what. Is a fair thing or not for people. But
0: another thing? Companies do is like when they've really screwed the pooch, they give you stuff. These other companies didn't send Pickertons to jack up somebody's house this year, so you know, they think like Dream Hack pisses people off. They, hell,
1: we yeah, have the whole... people off, and then they're Dude, sending
0: armed guards to your We house. had the whole
1: thing with TwitchCon last year where people literally broke their backs in a foam pit, and, and that, and that didn't change nothing. that ain't changing nothing for this year at all so like that that doesn't even yeah i'm i'm not in on that part of the argument like that's that's not enough like i get it wanting to be mad at the corporation all that i'm down i get it like totally understand that sentiment but as far as operational stuff eh i don't really get it because it's really not that expensive, all things considered. Now, people may be looking at the VIP packages or the Black Lotus packages. whatever. But really, with those, you're just buying rare products.
0: Yeah, those are absolutely for, you know, that, that that's for people that are either looking to make money on something or they have a bunch of disposable income. And I'm fine with you if somebody wants to spend, you know... Give the because again, the, the whale spending money makes it easier for me oh, to yeah. continue playing. So yes. But by all means if somebody wants to, if somebody has a disposable income to where they can pay, what is the VIP package?
1: It, this is the the biggest one you can buy. This is the Black Lotus VIP package. You get your weekend badge, which is what did we say that was like 60 bucks or 65 dollars. So you get that, you get a special secret layer promo that's only going to be at the event. So you know that's going to be worth money. The others recently, I think the Shivan Dragon ones was like $1,200 or something. So like those are real money promos. I don't think this will be $1,200 because it's Relentless Rats, but it'll probably still be like $500. Yeah,
0: if you can afford that, I have no problem with No, no.
1: We're not even done. This is a long list. You get a special lanyard. You get a tumbler. You get, they call it, they say an exclusive wearable, which is going to be some type of shirt, hat, whatever. You get an exclusive pin. You get an exclusive playmat. You get a special backpack that's branded. You get the official Vegas pin. You get four of the Arcane Signet promo, which they're giving people one for just coming to the event. You get three mystery boosters from the 2021 set. You get three of the newest set, which are going to be Wild of Eldrain. You get a special additional playmat that's exclusive just to MagicCon. You get a special MagicCon sleeves and deck boxes that are exclusive to the event. If you buy anything in their merchandise store, you get 10% off. You get early access to the thing. You get to play in a special draft event just for VIP Black Lotus members. And there's one more thing, I think. Oh, and then there's exclusive signings for the uh, Black Lotus VIPs with different personalities. So, like, that's a lot of stuff for that $700. And a big chunk of that you could sell and recoup your $700 plus if you want to go through the effort. And again, if you want
0: to spend that, I got it's your money. I got no problem with you spending. Yeah,
1: and that's why when people want to use that as an example, I'm like, that's not a real example. Like that exists because they can basically sell you a bunch of rare stuff, and then you can go make money, or keep it, or have cool keepsakes, or whatever you want to do. Like, but if you just want to go to the event, even for the whole weekend, sixty five dollars is kind of like the going convention rate these days. Well, I say that it's it's probably yeah it's in the middle of the range realistically because like we're saying even dreamhack and these other things will cost you 70 dollars plus for a day in some cases so yeah that's a
0: totally fair rate but i mean some of these like i said some of these conventions are in you know indianapolis (laughs) paul tuckett what have you not nearly is just i I don't care what time of the year you're going to vegas you are you know like if you had to get a hotel room you're going to be out of certain sure. but what But we about but is... we also
1: just did Minneapolis. And before that, we did Philadelphia. And PAX is also in Seattle and Philadelphia and, they have, and they, Dallas. They had all
0: and they, These things had all the, the Grand Prix and all the same things?
1: Yeah, they had all this in the world. They had the Pro Tour there and all this other stuff. So, like, even that's not a good enough reason. And like I said, we know Vegas draws. Like, I can't blame them for putting it there. If those are going to be some of your biggest attended events every year, no matter where you put events, like historically, and maybe because compared to other games or other conventions, I don't know, the average Magic fan is older, and they're like, F it, I can go do some stuff in Vegas and have fun and just make a whole week-long trip out of it and have Magic on the back end of my trip or something.
0: I don't know. I I get that that probably is a thing. Of course, I'm older, and I got, you know, (laughs) three kids. I probably just, unfortunately, can't afford it. Oh, dude, last time I was in Vegas, I think I
1: even played poker for like two hours that was it I don't even think I even did anything in the casinos hardly at all so yeah it's it's an event for me it doesn't really matter where it's at but I do find that argument very interesting of like why is this cost what it does or whatever like realistically your actual single and weekend badges are not pricey like they're actually totally fair and reasonable like I don't I don't get with the gripe now again if you're looking at the $350 and $700 packages, I guess when you just see the number, it looks crazy. But because they're giving you stuff that's super rare that you could just sell for more than what the ticket costs, eh? Because, hell, the, the playmat and was one I got? It was from, I don't think it's from Minneapolis, it's from the one before that in Philadelphia. It's the one that has the attractor or whatever on it. And it's a playmat and sleeves and whatever. And I saw those selling for like 200 bucks as a set. So I could have just got $200 back right then if I wanted to.
0: And I do feel compelled to mention, you know, that since, yeah, since, since, since you, you didn't want uh, didn't to hear about the constant, or, well, a number of things Wizards has done that are kind of goofy, but by their own admission, they've messed up the Pro Tour. So another thing companies sometimes do is when they have just really botched the program, for example, Madden 23 was a cluster <laughs> this year, especially if, if they deactivated your account for a, for a certain period of time. You're gonna get Madden 24 for half off because hey, we really screwed up your account, you're sorry, we're, we're sorry about that. So, this is sure if Wizards was gonna do that, the first one since you know the world came back together would be the time to do something like that. Oh, that would have been a long time ago. We did that. uh, That event's long past, dude. That was over a year ago. They didn't do it then either, right? (laughs) No.
1: But realistically, I guarantee you 90% of the people that showed up to the event don't know nothing or care at all about any stuff that went on with the Pro League. Like, I guarantee you that's the case. And I can even say that because even while the Pro Tour was going on, a bunch of people that attended weren't even sitting down to stop and watch it. A few people will stop on the last day and try to watch like some of the final match or whatever, but in between, people kind of just do it casually while they're waiting on something else to start. Because the, and
0: I get yeah okay the if average you know, Magic
1: player doesn't care about
0: pro play. If we didn't know you did anything wrong, it didn't happen. Or I get we're dealing yeah. with the corporation. I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> it would be nice,
1: but that's yeah. not what the people showing up care about. Like they just don't. And
0: like, and, and doing the right thing just because it's the right thing to do is, yeah, I get it. It's not that's a not a corporate, a corporate thing. <laughs> like, yeah. But again, EA did it, and who's worse than EA? I agree. The, I, I agree. I would agree that the, the average, yeah, well, I know. I'm sure the average Madden player that didn't get their account turned off for half the year doesn't know anything about it, but they yeah. might still get the chance to get a discount on Madden. But, but I will say yeah. this
1: the thing about Madden, though, is almost everybody interacts with Madden one way. Right, You're either playing at home by yourself or you're probably getting online and playing. Whereas with Magic, people interact with it so many different ways that it's very easy for other parts of the community to just be completely unknown. Right? Sure. I, I've told you before, I've literally walked into stores with people playing Commander, trying to just get feedback for the Commander Advisor group or whatever. And I'm having to explain to people what Game Nights is. And that's one of the biggest Magic channels on YouTube. And it's kind of like the premier Commander channel. And there's people who play commander regularly that have no idea it exists. Like that's just yeah, some
0: people just want to do their hobby. They don't want to watch other people do their hobby. They just, this is their thing that they do in their spare time. They don't care what's in your deck.
1: Well, yeah. And that's what I'm saying. That's why it's tough for, to hold different things in magic because the community just doesn't care about the same things all the time. Like there's nothing to rally behind because it's so, I don't know if I want to call it fractured because it, that's not really the word, But it's just so disparate, I guess, just people all over the place all doing their own thing all the time,
0: which is kind of crazy. But, you know, that's what we got. And at the end of the day, I know that financially, they technically it's been they don't even need to do any kind of pro play. And they've realized that they don't need to do any pro play. So, yeah, largely, I get that I'm I mean, I, I, thousands of other people are yelling into a void. Yeah. What, what I, I do think what so. to do with the pro play two years ago is not what they want to do with it now.
1: I, I will say this
0: though. I do
1: think the current system is headed on the right track. You do have stores that are starting to get more involved to do qualifiers, which at least generates events that can help them make money or promote their stores or whatever, which is good. Wizards is at least now making sure like the pro tours are at least featured at each of the magic magic cons so now they can get press out there and have something to talk about the local news will be like hey you know the magic pro tour was this weekend at whatever and they gave away $100,000 and you know get the PR out of it and that's the biggest thing because whether we like it or not that's really what those events are for all companies right it's what kind of news story can we get what kind of eyes can we put on it that encourage people to buy more of our thing or play more of our game or whatever it is and now they're at least able to do that with these magic cons, I think, which is helping them out a lot to justify a lot of a lot of things. But, yeah, as far as convention costs, I mean, I feel like I pay more to go to so many other things. Hell, if I want to go to a f- football game, like, hell, I, actually, randomly, I was trying to think of other events people pay and don't blink an eye at. Dude, did you see the cost of Taylor Swift tickets? I am sure it's sure it's Bruh, Like she's doing, I believe it's 52 stops on her tour. Some of them she's doing like two or three shows in a city because they're just selling out so fast. So they're doing like back to back days.
0: Cheap tickets are like twelve hundred dollars. In and, fairness, I love I, I love magic and comic books as much as anybody. But yeah. <laughs> seeing Taylor... I, I would probably pay more to see Taylor Swift than I would, you know, I don't know, Brian Kibler. Yeah, I, just, yeah, Brian, I, 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 what, I don't, get that. Hey, Brian's cool, but I ain't paying $1,200 to see nobody. Uh, uh-uh. I, I mean, I, I can't say that I... Well, it all, like we're talking about with the Magic cards, it depends... $1,200 to say Elon Musk is not what $1,200 is to you or Oh, I. yeah,
1: but you... The fact that you're selling out multiple arena, like sixty seat arenas, three days in a row in a town, like you know those aren't people that are made like that. Like they are scraping the money up because they want to see her that badly.
0: Not everybody is scraping the money. Some people, if every major city, I'm sure, has at least sixty thousand rich people in it. Either if they're not you, so you're going to tell me, even you're telling me, rich. even
1: some of these mid mid sized cities have hundred and eighty thousand fans that are all rich and all want to see Taylor Swift.
0: What? What? I mean, it's not <laughs> like she's going to Shreveport. No, she's but I'm just, going to major cities. But I'm just saying like that's that. like Dallas, for example. But again, you I, me I don't not- care.
1: But again, I don't care who it is. Like we, we, I'm just saying concerts as a whole, Like People, that's another thing. People will pay for and say like, yeah, I don't care. It costs this much. Right. Not including like your $40 parking or where they try to get you for and all that other stuff. Right, so it's all about perspective. At the end of the day, like, what do you value or not on why and you want to pay I, for this? And
0: I think if if, you, if we ask who is valued more, Taylor Swift or literally every Magic player you know, the majority. No, but of the that's people. that's
1: not what we're comparing, though. It's the experience you're comparing.
0: And some people do value that Taylor Swift experience worth yes. that much. No, exactly. That's for what I'm me, saying. the market the market has determined her tickets are worth $1,200.
1: And there's the argument. Well, I may not agree. But again, if Wizards is nearly selling out every one of these shows, then the market has also decided that that's what a ticket's worth. Right? And I think that's what I keep coming back to. Like, they could be less, but they're already selling out or nearly selling out. So why would they be less? It
0: doesn't make sense. And again, the only reason is like, hey, we're, we're we're sorry we effed up so much, but yeah, as you say, that's not a thing this company. Does. Yeah, it's just not. I mean, whether we like
1: it or not, like, it, would it be nice? Absolutely. Are they going to do it? No. Like, in the numbers show they don't have to. Yeah, I, I get that. <laughs> that. That doesn't make it right. No, but I, I agree. We that. we've complained about stuff and so said like, yeah, but we know it don't matter because people are still going to go buy whatever the next set is. So
0: why do and they have to what, care? With all the with all the other games I talked about, like, hey, if you want, and I'm as guilty as anybody, as broken as Madden was, I am now part of Madden's economy. So yeah, in August, I'ma pay them about a hundred bucks to sign up for this bad roller coaster again. Exactly. Now that's I make content. And that's
1: what I'm saying. It's tough, right? Like you you don't want to miss out on it, but at the same time, the only way you can make a statement is to not purchase and it, right? I,
0: and again, for, for listeners, for people you know that the want to come, because as I said, both of us are now part of Wizards Economy, so we it's hard for us to to speak to you because know, again, we if we go, we can tax deduct it. For those of you you know that it's you're just going for the fun, please weigh in and, and let us but, know. But how. this is
1: but this is why I compare it to other things. Like I still go to like. I don't know when the lady wants to go look at animals or whatever, we go to like a reptile show that's local or whatever. Right. I'm like, okay, I guess we'll pay 20 bucks to get in here for like four hours or three hours and just walk around and look at animals or whatever. You know what I mean? Like that's just what the market said. And they'll have a line 200 people out the door or whatever. It's just like, okay, this is what people pay, you know, but I look at that and go, well for $30, I could get way more at a magic event and I could be there all day, you know, for $10 more but I still go pay the $20 and go do the other thing for the two to three hour experience. It's going to be whatever it is. So yeah, it's just all relative. You know, it's how you value each thing, what the market holds or whatever, but yeah. Interesting conversation though, in general, because I'm curious what people thinks these events should cost. So maybe that's a thing. If you want to post something on socials or come to the discord, I'd be curious, you know, what, what is the going rate that you think would be reasonable or fair? Because, it already seems kind of low compared to all the other nerd events. But, Brian, why don't you tell everybody they can find you on social since we talked everybody's ear off today.
0: All right, I am Brian Sionic on uh, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram. Our family channel on YouTube is Alan's Ever After.
1: And you can find me just about everywhere at PowerDragon, P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N. And, yeah, stop on by because i got lots of stuff going on. And otherwise, wherever you're listening, whenever you're listening, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Please remember to take care of yourselves and your family, and remember to be awesome, and most importantly, be awesome to each other. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate under patreon.com slash colorofmagic. You can also find us on Facebook under Color of Magic. And if you want to follow us along at Twitter, you can find us there at color of MTG. And as always, please share the podcast around to your friends, your network, people you think might enjoy it. Because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base.